So this past week, uh, Jim received a box on his front porch. At his front door, he received a box, and in that box, he found five or six tomatoes, a squash, and four cucumbers. There was also a note in the box, a note from an anonymous couple at Calvary Church that said that they were giving to Jim, to Lisa, and their family an offering as unto the Lord, an offering a gift of the first produce from the people's personal garden. Well, Jim and Lisa family opened up the box and they ate some of the vegetables and Jim, whoever the anonymous couple is, Jim wanted you to know that they were delicious. They were delicious vegetables. But more than the blessing of the delicious vegetables, Jim acknowledged that he recognized that there was something very special about these people taking God's encouragement of giving so seriously that they would take the time to give of their first produce from their garden to Jim, to Lisa, to their family as a gift unto the Lord. And Jim's response was not only gratitude for the people, but gratitude to God. So it caused Jim to to pray, to pray for the people, for their blessing, for the blessing for their garden, and to praise God for what he had done in the people and through the people. And I have to think how happy that made God that these people took giving so seriously. I mean, that is almost the perfect story. The only way that that story could be any better is if that produce actually landed on my front door. I'm just kidding. So if you're the couple, please, I don't even like squash. So the point is, is God is pleased with our giving. This morning, God wants to share with us what it means to give as unto the Lord. This morning, we're gonna talk about giving. So if you would, would you take your Bibles and open up to Malachi chapter three, Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. I'm gonna begin by reading in verse six. So follow along as I read. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Now we need to stop there for a moment. We just can't keep moving on after that kind of words like that. So let's, look at what we've kind of covered so far. We began in the book of Malachi by talking about God choosing Israel. Our first message was God chose Israel. And then the next message, we talked about how God wants to be worshiped among the nations, which is why we mustn't allow favoritism to be part of the decisions that we make. So for many people, that raised a question. It raised a really good question. If God doesn't play favorites, no, we're not supposed to play favorites. That means God doesn't play favorites. And if God doesn't play favorites, why did he choose Israel and not Edom? Why did he choose Israel and not any of the other nations of the world? It's a really good question. And the answer to that question sets us up for what we are about to hear of what God says about giving of our money. So let's take a moment and first understand the theology behind God choosing Israel. So imagine for a moment that I'm a medical researcher 
Now that may be hard to do. It's obviously Jim's sermon and it would be a lot easier to imagine Jim as a medical researcher than I think it would be to imagine me as a medical researcher, but I get to preach the sermon. So imagine me as a medical researcher and I'm a medical researcher who found a way to treat COVID-19. I've come up with a cure for COVID-19. And I've come up with a cure that I believe really works, that I know works. So imagine that I've identified 1,000 people who have COVID-19. And I'm going to break them up into two groups. I'm going to break them up into 500 people who are going to receive the cure for COVID-19. And there's going to be a second group of 500 people who are not going to receive the cure for COVID-19. Now, the choice of those 500 people who are going to receive the cure can't be made on anything special about them. It cannot be made based upon whether they have good health or bad health. It cannot be made based upon pre-existing conditions. It can't be made based upon their age. Essentially, the 500 people that I pick to give the cure to have to be randomly selected to actually know if the cure works. So those people have to be randomly selected. I will then give to those people the medicine I came up with. But in addition to the medicine, I'm also going to give them some instructions. Get lots of rest. Wash your hands. Follow a certain diet. Get some exercise. And essentially, I want these people to live healthy lives. Otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to have a cure for COVID-19 if you're going to get the flu or if you're going to die from a heart attack. The cure means that they need to follow the instructions as well. And if I love them enough to provide a cure, to find a cure for them, I certainly don't want their lives to be harmed in other ways. Now, if these 500 people take the cure and they follow my instructions, it's going to be clear to the other 500 people and to the rest of the world that the cure and the instructions lead to health. They lead to life the people will see that it works. God did something very similar in history. All of humanity is sick with the disease of sin. Every person in humanity, each one of us in this room online, each, everybody in the world is sick with the disease of sin and sin has a 100% mortality rate. God has a cure for sin and he chose a test group. He chose Israel to demonstrate that cure. And he didn't choose them for any other reason. There was nothing special about them. He didn't choose them for any other reason other than his own choosing. And then he offers them, he gives them an unconditional covenant through a, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. And that unconditional covenant is the cure that God provides to Abraham and his descendants so that they would experience the cure, experience the blessing. They would then point people to the cure, to the blessing, and people would come to realize that God is great. And that would also allow God to bless all of those people. 
You see, then along with the unconditional covenant that God gave to Abraham and his descendants, he also provided some guidelines for them. He provided rules. He provided what we refer to as the Mosaic law. He gives them the Mosaic law so that they can live in a way where he is free to bless them. And so that they would demonstrate what to the world, what a great God he is and that he should be worshiped by all. And here's the thing. He's not playing favorites because the cure that God has come up with for Israel is available. It was available to everyone who saw and believed in the one true God and chose to follow, to be part of Israel. Think about a couple of people from the Old Testament. Think about Rahab. Rahab was a person who was not an Israelite, but Rahab came to see the greatness of God and she chose to follow Israel. Another person, how about Ruth? Ruth was not an Israelite. Ruth was a Moabite. And Ruth saw the one true great God and chose to join Israel. God didn't show favorites. Whoever acknowledged the one true God and chose to follow Israel was included in the covenant. And today, salvation is available to all people through Jesus. See, what was going on in the Old Testament was a test phase. God was giving a cure to them to help us understand what are the best practices for us still living today, having to deal with the disease of sin. Does it make sense? You follow? God has this plan. Israel was the test group. And that salvation currently today is made available to all through Jesus Christ. Believe and you become part of God's people. And then you turn to give God praise. Now, in Malachi, in the book of Malachi, we have seen, we have heard God's instruction to the test group. Remember, the book of Malachi is originally written to the people of Israel. Malachi, the prophet, speaks to the people of Israel and he gives them instructions. We too benefit from these instructions and we've seen that Malachi has spoken to them and spoken to us about worship, about priesthood, about divorce, about justice and about sin. And now this morning, we get to hear God's instructions with regard to giving. Now, this could apply to a lot of things that we can give to the Lord. It can apply to the giving of our time. These instructions could also apply to the giving of the first fruits from our garden. But here, the example here is about money. And if we're honest, giving money can be the hardest thing to give. So let's keep on in the passage. Look at the end of verse seven. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God accuses the Israelites of robbing him. What are they robbing him of? Now on one hand, you could say that they were robbing God of money since they were holding on to the money that belonged to God. But there's actually something deeper that's going on here. There's something more. It's more than just money. What were they robbing him of? The one thing that God truly desires. They were robbing him of the opportunity to bless them. Robbing him of the opportunity to bless them and to receive the praise and the gratitude that comes when people experience God's blessing. See, God's plan was for Israel to give tithes and offerings. God would then bless Israel and this would cause all people to see that blessing. That's what, that's what he says at the end. Then at the end of the passage I just read, then the nations will call you blessed. All the people will see that salvation belongs to God and that God's way of living generously is the best way to live life. You see, by not giving to God, they were robbing God of the opportunity to bless and the opportunity for other people to see and glorify God. Here's the thing. I cannot say this strongly enough. God loves blessing people. Did you hear what I said? God loves blessing people people. And giving money is one of the surest ways that God gets to bless us. There is a formula here. Malachi presents a formula. Give to the Lord. Giving to the Lord gives the Lord the opportunity to bless you so that you will praise him, so that other people will come to see that he is the one true God, so that they will praise him and so that he can then bless them. Do you understand the formula? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a very clear formula. Now, some of you may be thinking, but that's in the Old Testament. That's a different covenant. We live in kind of this New Testament thing, this New Testament covenant. But this is not just a New Testament idea. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 Beginning in verse six, listen to as I read, follow along, listen to this. Paul starts out, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That's bless you for your giving. Follow that. So that in all things and at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. 
As it is written, they have freely scattered their gift to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Wow. Now this is not health and wealth prosperity gospel. Did you hear me? This is not health and wealth prosperity gospel. Paul is not saying, clearly, Paul is not saying, give to God and you will get rich. Did you hear me say that? He is not saying, give to God and you will get rich. But look at what he is saying. He is saying, if you give to God, you will be blessed in every way. In every way, which includes financial blessing. It does not mean you will get rich. But it says you will be blessed in every way. And every way includes financial blessing. That's exactly the same point in Malachi. God wants to bless. And when we give to God, we are giving him the opportunity to bless us. And what happens when he blesses us? You see, giving opens the door to blessing and blessing creates praise. Giving opens the door to blessing and blessing creates praise. Keep reading, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Giving opens the door for God to bless. Blessing opens the door for God to be praised. Do you see do you understand the formula? Giving opens the door for God to bless you. Blessing opens the door for praise to God. It allows people to see that God is great and worthy of praise and choose to follow him so that they can then experience God's blessing as well. Does that make sense? You follow? Good. So what does this look like today? Malachi mentions two things. He mentions two things in the passage. He mentions tithes and offerings. Tithes represent regular and systematic giving. Offerings are those times when you want to give over and above your regular systematic giving. 
tithes, regular, systematic giving. Offerings are those times when you want to give over and above your regular, systematic givings. So what does it mean to give tithes and offerings to God? Let's start with what we do as a church. We're gonna first look at what we do as a church and then we're going to turn and look at what we should or what we could do as individuals. So first as a church, as a church, we actually corporately gather to give a tithe to God. We tithe as a church. This means that we give to other organizations, to people, to other entities outside of the walls, if you will, of Calvary Church. We give money to spread and share the gospel. We give money to demonstrate mercy and hospitality to people who are in need. We give money to other organizations in West Michigan around the world and around the world. We give money to help people in West Michigan and around the world. All the money that is collected corporately at Calvary Church does not just go to support the programs of Calvary Church or the people, you sitting in the pews or you who are part of Calvary Church who are watching online. We tithe to give outside of the walls of Calvary Church. Now, the leadership of Calvary Church has determined that we are to give one-third of the receipts of Calvary Church. One-third of the giving that comes into Calvary Church is then turned and given outside of Calvary Church to spread the gospel, to meet the needs of others, to meet the needs of others in West Michigan and around the world. One-third. So this past year, for example, $7.6 million came in in receipts in in giving to Calvary Church. Roughly $2.5 million of that $7.6 million was set aside to tithe, to give outside of the walls of Calvary Church, to give to people in need, to spread the gospel, to minister to those outside of Calvary Church. Calvary Church is committed to tithe as unto the Lord. It is our regular, systematic, corporate giving as Calvary Church. Make sense? Good. Secondly, Calvary Church does not only tithe, Calvary Church gives by giving offerings. Offerings are those gifts over and above the regular systematic giving that we as Calvary Church corporately do. And primarily, there are, two, so there are two recipients of our offerings. Benevolence to people, that is help for people that are in need, and also the Jerusalem Project. And the Jerusalem Project is a ministry within Calvary Church that ministers outside of Calvary Church by planting churches, strengthening churches, and training up church leaders. The money that is given to benevolence and the money that is given to the Jerusalem Project is not part of the regular budget of Calvary Church. It is over and above the regular budget of Calvary Church. This past year, Calvary Church, Calvary Church corporately, we gave $365,000 over and above the budget to the benevolence. 
An additional $440,000 was given through the Jerusalem project over and above the regular budget of Calvary Church. Not part of our tithing giving outside of Calvary Church, not part of our regular budget to ourselves, over and above a special offering given to proclaim God's name. It's interesting, uh, through the Jerusalem Project, in this offering process and in this outside giving, over the last couple months, we have given to 22 small and urban churches to help them get through this crisis. It is, an, you, it is the, one of the ways that we use the offerings that we offer, we give to God through our offerings. You see, what happens here at Calvary Church is we take God seriously. We take this formula seriously and we recognize that historically God has blessed Calvary Church because of the historic giving that Calvary Church has done. We do not look at this giving as an obligation. We look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to give so that other people will come to see that there is one true God who is sovereign and who's in control and who is powerful and who wants to bless them. So we give our tithes and we give our offerings as Calvary Church so that we will be blessed so that we respond in praise and so other people come to see the one true God and believe and offer him praise so that he can in turn bless them. We take this seriously at Calvary Church. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity we have to praise God's name and to promote the praise of God's name. So that's how we deal with this corporately. But what about individually? Well, individually is kind of the same pattern. Individually, there is an encouragement to give tithes to God. But here's the thing. It's a little bit confusing how this works itself out individually. You see, tithe, the word tithe literally means 10%. It literally means 10%. So one of the ways that you could do this in figuring out your giving to the Lord is you think about tithe and you think about this number 10%. So what you would do is you do exactly what the people of Israel did. The people of Israel calculated what they earned in a year, multiplied it by 10%, and that's what they gave to the Lord. You, me, we could do exactly the same thing. We could calculate what we earn a year. We could multiply it by 10%. And we could give that number to the Lord. But I am in no way implying that that is a rule that you need to follow. That is a provision of the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. We are not bound to the law. Jesus has come to set us free from the law. But we just read in Paul some instructions from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We read some instructions that help us in this area. And Paul's instruction, there's kind of two of them for you and for me as we think about tithing. The first instruction is give what is on your heart to give. Give what God places on your heart to give. That's the instruction. The second instruction is do it cheerfully. Give what's on your heart to give, do it cheerfully. That's the instruction. 
Now, what's interesting is I said that the Mosaic law does not apply to us as it is regards to giving. We're not required to give 10%, but that 10% is a good guideline. It clearly pleased God in the Old Testament and our desire is to please God now as followers of Jesus. So it provides a good guideline. You may give 10%, you may give more. It is what God lays on your heart to give. Now you may be thinking to yourself, well, 10%, that sounds like a lot. And it does sound like a lot. And it really sounds like a lot if you have not been regularly giving that. So give what God lays on your heart to give. Maybe that's 5%. Maybe that's 3%. Maybe it's not even a percentage at all. Those are just guidelines. Give what God lays on your heart to give and give cheerfully. But here's the encouragement. Challenge, if you will. Test him. Test him in this. Set a percentage. I don't care what the percentage is. Set a percentage and then give that percentage and see how God blesses you. That's the formula. Give unto the Lord. Giving tithes gives God the opportunity to bless you so that you can praise him, so that other people will come to see that he is the one true God. They will believe, they will give, they will receive God's blessing. Test him, see what he will do. Where do you give? Where is it that you should give? Well, this may sound a bit self-serving, but you're to give to your local church. You're to give to the church that you are a part of. At least the majority of your giving should be to the church that you're a part of. For you sitting in the sanctuary this morning, I'm assuming that most of you are part of Calvary Church. I'm also assuming that most of you that are watching online are part of Calvary Church. And the encouragement is to give to the church that you are part of. Now, I don't necessarily think that that means all of the amount that you decide to give. So for example, if you were to choose 10% to give on an annual basis, that would mean maybe you give seven or 8% to Calvary Church. You'd also then have the opportunity to give to other ministries or people that God lays on your heart. Maybe you have a friend that's going into a ministry position and is raising support. God may lay it on your heart to support that person independent of what Calvary Church does. Support that person. There's also the opportunity to spend money on hospitality as a way to welcome people into knowing Jesus Christ. Hospitality would be a good way to spend money as an offering, as a tithe, as unto the Lord. Jim references in the sermon manuscript that he knows a family that does exactly that. He knows a family that breaks up their giving. Majority of their giving goes to the church. There's part of their giving that goes to individual people and organizations that God lays on their heart. And then part of their giving of their tithe goes to uh, hospitality and providing hospitality to others. So part of us, as we think about giving as individuals, we have to think about the tithe your regular and systematic giving. We also need to think about offerings. And offerings are the way as individuals that we demonstrate gratitude to the Lord. It's over and above our regular systematic giving, but think about the things that God has done in your life. 
Maybe God has provided you a job. Maybe God has healed you from a disease. Maybe God has recently given you a spouse. There are things that God has done in your life and you want to praise him. You want to overflow with gratitude. One of the ways you can do that is by giving him an offering. Out of the gratitude, give him money over and above your regular and systematic giving. It gives us an opportunity to praise God through our giving. This is exactly what we did in Grace Beyond. This was Grace Beyond. Grace Beyond, we did not give our tithes. Our encouragement to you was pray. Ask the Lord what he would have you give over and above your tithes out of gratitude to him for the things that he has done for you. Grace Beyond was our offerings to the Lord. And currently we have four areas here at Calvary Church that you could choose, if God lays on your heart, choose to provide those offerings. We have the Benevolence Fund, which helps people in need. We have the Jerusalem Project, which is there to support and strengthen churches and church leaders outside of the walls of Calvary Church. We also have a missionary fund. A missionary fund is there to provide care for missionaries, for people who are spreading the gospel, provide for their needs and care. And we also have a Jonathan fund. And the Jonathan fund is to provide monies to people who are currently enduring suffering. Four ways in which you could provide offerings to the Lord over and above your regular systematic giving. You see, for individuals, for us as followers of Jesus Christ, God says to you, he says to me, give. Give tithes and offerings. Give what God lays on your heart to give. Trust him in that. And do it joyfully. Be a cheerful giver. Now, all these principles that I've shared, they could apply to giving of your time, to giving of your talents. Those are great applications of these principles. But remember the key. The key here is giving gives God the opportunity to bless us so that we will praise him, so that others will see the one true God come to believe in him so that they too will praise God. Now, you may be sitting thinking to yourself, hmm, maybe I've been robbing God. Maybe I've been robbing God. If that's the way you feel right now, the answer, just stop robbing God. Start today. Listen to the Spirit's leading. Start a trial. Set, don't, don't jump to 10%. Unless God lays that on your heart, jump to three, four, five, jump to some point and start to regularly and systematically give to God and see how he starts to bless you. It's the promise of scripture. It's what Malachi said to us. It's what the apostle Paul shared with us. It's the principle of scripture. Give God the opportunity to bless you. But here's the thing. When I think about Calvary Church, when I think about you, 
When I look at the history of Calvary Church, year after year, decade after decade, this church is a giving church. I remember as far, as about as far back as I can remember as a child, my dad would always say to me, you know what? Calvary Church is a special church. And he'd say, you know why it's a special church? It's because it's a giving church. And that is true. Calvary Church is a giving church, which means you are giving people. And you know what happens? The result is God has blessed us. God has blessed us year after year. And part of the reason that God has blessed us is because we have followed this formula. The encouragement from this message today is, you know what? I want God to keep blessing us. I want God to keep blessing Calvary Church and I want God to bless you and I want God to bless me. And God has laid out a pretty clear and simple formula. So let's be people who commit ourselves to giving tithes and offerings. And corporately, let's be a church that continues to give tithes and offerings. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to gather to worship you. We started out singing that you are our foundation. And Lord, we proclaim that this morning. You are our foundation and it is in you who we put our trust. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray, Lord, for them I, as I pray for myself, I pray that we would put these principles of giving into practice. Lord, I pray that we would put them into practice so that we would praise your name and so that others would come to praise your name as well. Lord, encourage us to faithfulness. Encourage us to trust. Lord, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages